Welcome to the Stoke It Up podcast, everybody, a podcast encouraging you in your journey with God. I'm Alan Stoddard, and I'm your host. And today I've got Dr. Dan Crawford on the podcast to have a conversation about pairing up evangelism with prayer. I think it was Ed Silvoso who first said, don't talk to your neighbors about God until you talk to God about your neighbors. And so we're going to partner up evangelism and prayer as you think about becoming more effective in the Great Commission. We want to encourage you in your journey with God. Well, Dr. Dan Crawford serves as the Senior Professor Emeritus of Evangelism and Missions at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. I took him for a class called Revival Evangelism Practicum, and he taught us how to prepare revival messages, how to prepare ourselves spiritually, and how to pair those things together and to go into church environments and lead revival. Well, in these last 20 years, that's spilled over into uh, revitalization of churches. But let's jump into the conversation with Dr. Crawford, and I will see you on the other side. Well, Dr. Crawford, welcome to the Stoke It Up podcast, sir. I greatly appreciate you coming on. Glad to be here. Well, I wanted you to talk in this podcast about prayer evangelism. We were recently talking about that, and I wanted you to to talk about it because I believe it's something that this it's hard to say this and not be critical. You can help me with you're going to know more about it than I do. But prayer and evangelism seem to be things that are waning in the church, in my opinion. So. So if you were going to encourage people and pastors how to mobilize for prayer and evangelism, how would you how would you address that? Well, as I do that sometimes, <clears throat> and just actually recently spoke on this very subject, uh, I talk about the uh, the role of prayer, the importance of prayer in general. And then we switch and talk about the role of evangelism, the priority of evangelism. And then I put them together and uh, talk about the, the importance of prayer and evangelism and the importance of evangelism to prayer. So uh, that's how I go about it. And <clears throat> I come at the, the importance of prayer basically because I taught it and because I've written on it, <clears throat> but the importance really struck me when I was preaching, uh, speaking to a group of missionaries in West Africa, Gambia, West Africa. They introduced me and they said, he's gonna, you know, he talked to us during this conference about prayer. And I got up to speak and before I said anything, one of the missionaries raised their hand. Uh, well, that's kind of, I'm not opposed to questions, but usually I don't get them before I start. <laughs> so I called on this guy and he said, I just have one question before you begin. I said, okay. And he said, uh, if God called me to missions and God put me here in the Gambia and God knows I'm here and God's blessing my work, why do I need prayer? Well, that question just caught me off guard completely because I thought, well, I assumed that everybody in this room believed in it. <laughs> Uh, this guy wants to know why. And I didn't have a very good answer for him then. I think I said something like, well, the apostle Paul was a missionary 
And he started every one of his letters by asking people to pray for him. So I guess if Paul needed prayer, you do too. And he didn't care much for that answer, but he said, all right, go ahead. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it set me to thinking about the question and, <clears throat> and it started me to ask early on in my class on prayer at Southwestern, if God called you to ministry and God put you here at Southwestern Seminary and God's blessing the fact that you're here, why do you need prayer? And they look at me like, I don't know. That's why I took this course. <laughs> so I came up with a better answer. Actually, four parts to the answer. Why is prayer so important? Why is prayer the priority of the Christian life? And there are four parts to the answer. Uh, we can talk about this if you want to. I'll just kind of give them. Uh, yeah, the, Bible what are they? the Bible teaches it. And no question about that from Starting in the early chapters of Genesis, you got man and God communicating with each other, uh, all the way to, in fact, the, the last chapter in the last book of the Bible, and the next to the last verse is a prayer, uh, and all the way in between. Uh, somebody decided to count them, and I've never had time to count them, but there's a book entitled All the Prayer of the Bible, and it says that... Uh, not counting Psalms, which is a book of prayer, not counting Psalms. There are 650 prayers in the Bible. Well, that's, that's wow. pretty, pretty solid evidence that the Bible wants you to know something about prayer. So yes, the Bible teaches it. That's, that's a definite. I, I don't get many arguments on that when I share that part. Second part of the answer is that Jesus modeled it. <clears throat> and I don't get much argument on that one either. Uh, if you check the verbs in the ministry of Jesus, the most used verb in the scriptures, in the gospels, is the verb to pray. Uh, not to preach, not to teach, not to counsel, not to comfort, not to fellowship, <laughs> but to pray. Well, if, if uh, Jesus used that verb that many times, in fact, there are 24 prayers of Jesus in the gospels, if he used it that often, if his ministry began in prayer and his ministry ended in prayer on the cross and he continues to pray for us, the writer of Hebrews says he lives and that's that wonderful Greek tense that we don't have in English, you know, that says he, he keeps on living. The, the word really means he lives and he lives and he lives and he lives to make intercession for us. So what's Jesus doing today? He's praying for us. <laughs> so the Bible teaches it. Jesus models it. History records it. And I've got, you know, a number. There are just dozens of illustrations in history, <clears throat> in Christian history, that illustrate the fact that prayer is crucial to the Christian life. History records it. The uh, great prayer revival in 1857 uh, started in New York City. That's my favorite. Uh, on and on and on. And then the fourth answer would be that our lives require it. And <clears throat> our, our relationship to Christ is based on love. It's a love relationship. He loved us. The Bible is clear about that. When we respond to him, it's a love response. And everything I know about a love relationship, whether it's 
human or divine, says that communication is crucial. And I, I talk about some of the commitments I made early in, in my traveling days that I would communicate with my family once every 24 hours. And this was long before we had such great means of communication as we have today. Uh, but I was determined <clears throat> to find the telephone and call home just to communicate, just to, to let them know I still love them and thank them for praying for me wherever I was in the world. And so there are four parts to that answer. Why is prayer important? Bible teaches it. Jesus modeled it. History illustrates it. And our lives require it. Then I would switch to the importance of evangelism. That was even more obvious. Uh, the, the Bible is very clear that we are to be about making disciples, uh, that we are to go to do that, and we are to do it when we don't go. Uh, it's supposed to be a lifestyle as well as an, an intentional act of bearing witness. So uh, I just talk about the importance of evangelism and share some scriptures and talk about how Jesus recruited disciples and how those disciples went about recruiting other disciples and how that model is there for us to, to bear witness and then put them together. Here's, here's the key to it. You don't talk to people about God until you talk to God about the people. That is the key. And that, I love that applies, that. As, as you remember in class, it, it applied to, to preaching. I talked to you wannabe preachers that were going to go preach revival meetings. And I said, don't, don't stand up to preach to those people until you talk to God about the people. Because you don't know those folks. How are you going to preach to their needs? Except generally, you know. But specifically, how do you speak to the needs of people? unless you talk to God before you speak. It has to do with personal evangelism. Uh, you know, don't, don't start into a one-on-one -on -one witness with somebody to tell them about God until you've talked to God about them. Uh, so th that's how you put it together. Prayer and evangelism, how do they go together? You don't talk to people about God until you talk to God about the people. That's my that's my story. <laughs> I like that. Now, the, I, I've, I was reminded by you the other day in your office how uh, I had forgotten. I'm so glad you said it. The first thing you had us do in that class was get on our knees. <laughs> now, you don't remember this because I was... I was just a guy in the class. You got so you're, you know, you're like a, you're a pastor. You're always outnumbered, but I remember coming in there and I thought when we got on our knees, I don't think I'd ever been in a seminary class where that happened. I was like, wow, this is going to be serious. It felt that way. Now it wasn't, it was really, it was serious, but it wasn't a weird seriousness. But, um, I remember hearing this principle for the first time. Um, uh, don't talk about, uh, don't talk to people about God until you talk to God about people and the idea of intercession and your class is where it clicked for me all these years. I mean, it's been 25 years now. Um, I remember coming there out of the army. I had no idea what I was doing. I, 
if I would have tried to go to a church without doing all coming and seeing you guys first, I'd be like, oh man, would have been disastrous. I remember that class really prepped me up to know how to keep a sense of pursuing revival in a local church. There were other classes that influenced those themes, but that class revival evangelism practicum was the one that really prepped you to know how to go into a church and be spiritually sensitive on these two matters, prayer and evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that the idea of kneeling to pray was a historical thing because as I understood when that program began in the 1950s, uh, it was a group of students that decided to go to the state of Ohio and preach revivals. And that they gathered over in the basement of Gamble Street Baptist Church across the street from the campus because it was a it was a Wednesday night and the campus was closed because you're supposed to go to a prayer meeting. <laughs> and plus, it wasn't a campus organization, so they couldn't reserve a room to pray in. So they had to work around all these obstacles. But they met to pray, and according to two men that were in that prayer meeting, uh, they started by getting on their knees and asking God if if he wanted them to go to Ohio and would he open up ways for them to do that. And uh, neither, neither one of those men actually went that spring, but they were in the prayer meeting. One of them was Is right that there. right? You, you probably said that in class. I just don't remember it. That is so exciting right. to hear. One of them, one of them was Dr. Roy Fish. He was in the prayer meeting. He didn't no go. Kidding. He didn't go that spring, but when he graduated, he went to Ohio to pastor a church. And the other one was Larry Lewis, who became eventually president of the North American Mission Board. And his testimony is that that week of revival changed his life and set him on a new course. And he also went to Ohio to start a church and to pastor that church and then eventually to the denominational position. Those only two people we know of that were in that meeting, but we know from their testimony that that program began with a group of students on their knees. And that's why I start every the first class meeting of every session, every semester we did that. I said, we're going to start on It's locked up for a minute. It'll come back. Started this, and strangely enough, I'm seeing, and uh, every semester charge that program advised me to come in to that first class meeting. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. That's great. That's great. Now, I used to hear people say when I first became a Christian, then, you know, I was, after I became a Christian, I was at Southwestern Seminary in 96. So it was eight years later. But I remember hearing these things. If you want to have a low attended event, have a prayer meeting and do, and or evangelism. <laughs> now, it's funny, if you call it something else, people will show up. They will. Um, anyway, 
how do we how do we with prayer and evangelism how do we make that how do we put this principle into shoe leather don't talk about people about god until you've talked to god about people what does that look like how would you how would you tell us to live that out well i think generally christians are more comfortable I should say young Christians are more comfortable talking to God about people than they are talking to people about God. Then uh, that would be true whether you're talking about one-on-one -on -one witnessing, which scares most people to death, or standing up in front of a group of people and, and sharing the gospel. Uh, most not early Christians, young Christians, won't don't, they're, they're nervous about that. But if you ask them to bow their head and close their eyes and talk to God, well, they can do that. Maybe not publicly. There's still some anxiety about that with young believers. But they can, otherwise, how'd they get to be a believer? <laughs> so they can close their eyes, or they don't even have to close their eyes, but they can talk to God. So you start there. You don't you don't start with, okay, we're going to all get together, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to go out and witness. That scares people to death especially young believers. Yeah. And and I think even some older believers, uh, that's the last thing they, they want to do. So yeah, I, I still get nervous going out. Yeah. I, I love going out and doing evangelism. I, I but there's, I'm going to do it more when I'll do cold evangelism when I'm with somebody else. I'm a lot yeah. more comfortable if you're there with me or somebody else or something like that. Well, you have this acronym opens in in the yeah. in the show notes. I'll put this in the show notes. What is that all about? Well, it seems that most people don't mind the people that don't mind witnessing have a little trouble getting into it. You know, how how do I talk to a stranger or even a, a next door neighbor or a family member? How do I start this? Where where do I how do I get into the witness? And so uh, Colossians 4.3 uh, says, Paul says, praying for us also that God would open the door for the word. So I took that idea of the door. What we need is for God to open the door. So I use the O-P-E-N-S, opens. And I I cheated a little bit on the O. I said oikos because I couldn't find an English word. <laughs> the Greek word oikos means family. So you can talk to people about their family. What kind of family do you have? Tell me about your family. And most people will, will do that and not feel intimidated or like they're under attack or something. And as you talk about family, you, you drop, spiritual aspect into the conversation maybe i'm on an airplane and the guy next to me we're talking about family and i say well i'm anxious to get home with my family in fact uh i'm looking forward to next sunday worshiping with my family what what'd you just do you just knocked on the door that's great what they say next tells me if the door is open for a witness you know, if they suddenly put their ear pods in and turn their head, 
I know I, that's a dead end right there. I've done about all I can do. So I opens, uh, O stands for Oikos, her family. The P stands for place. And that, that could be anything from just uh, sitting on a bench somewhere in a park to sitting in a classroom or, or next to somebody on an airplane. I mean, it's where you are. And, and into the idea of place, you talk about, this is a nice place. I, I'm enjoying being out here in this park. Uh, it reminds me of God's creation. Well, you just knocked on the door. The E stands for employment. When you ask most men who they are, they'll tell you what they do. That's just that's yeah. how we're geared. Yeah. Uh, who am I? Well, I'm a professor. No, that's not what I ask you. <laughs> who are you? But you talk about employment. And for we minister types, that's an easy one because when you ask somebody what they do, they'll normally ask you, what do you do? Oh, glad you asked. Yeah. Now you're in <laughs> the end stands for nearby. And that, that could be anything if you're sitting in somebody's living room talking to them. There may be a picture over on the shelf of family or, uh, you know, looking for what's near, what's around you to help you into the conversation. And the S stands for spare time, opens. The S on the end stands for spare time. What do you like to do when you're not flying around the country? What, what do you do when you get home? What do you do when you don't have to do this job that you talked to me about? And, and again, you can find a way to put the spiritual into that. Uh, well, <laughs> I like to, I like to read my Bible. No, no, no. <laughs> These are just ways. And I tell people, if you don't like, I mean, this is not much of an acronym, but it is mine. And if you don't like it, come up with your own. Yeah. You know, find your own ways to remind you of how to get into the conversation. Maybe that helps people. I've had people tell me it helped them. And uh, one of my former students, Dr. David Mills, who came back to teach on the faculty for a little while, uh, actually put that in a book and footnoted me. I said, I've never been footnoted before. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Most people don't know how to take the conversation. They don't have to, they don't have to, they can maybe identify it, but they may not be thinking like that. But if they do identify it, they definitely don't know how to, they know the topics, but they don't know how to turn them toward the gospel conversation. Yeah. So right. I love this acronym. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I think Roy Fish had one called FIRM or FORM, yeah. Yeah. something like that. And Fire. it's family, <laughs> occupation, yeah. religion, message. That yeah. may be a Campus Crusade for Christ thing. But your point is that you need, we need to have a way to start conversations and move into um possible gospel conversations. I actually ha was able to have one this morning. I went to the, uh, to the optometrist and got a yearly exam and the lady working there, I asked her her name and uh, I asked her how long she had been Granberry. That's always an easy thing to ask. And then, um, and then she said uh, she would lived in uh, Burleson. I said, Oh, my grandmother used to live off Sycamore school road in McCart, which is over near Southwestern seminary. 
So now yeah. I got to drop the seminary name yeah. and I said, yeah. I, and I just blurted it out. I said, I'm a Christian. And I could tell from her little, uh, she, she said, uh-huh. Uh, it was very positive uh, gesture response. And I said, Are, you're a Christian? And she said, yes. And uh, I was at least yeah. able to ask her where she went to church in Burleson. So there's a bridge. Yeah, yeah. There's a bridge I, in almost yeah. every conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I have a friend who, who used one that I had never even thought of, and I probably wouldn't use it. But he was standing in line at the cashier to pay out at a restaurant. And the guy in front of him paid, and then something happened, and he got upset, and he, he used the he used a profanity. He says GD. And as he turned, my friend said, you know that guy you just mentioned? And he said, what? He said, you just mentioned somebody. He said, yeah, I said, you know, he said, well, I know him. <laughs> wow. I know him personally. Oh, you know, and all of a sudden this guy says, what? <laughs> I actually like that. I think that's great. Room. I don't know yeah. if I'd be bold enough to do that. Well, yeah, that's what I say. I, that I, I have a little problem with that one. I want to be. The idea is you look for ways to get in. Yes. And the Conversa idea of somebody their name. Conversational and, evangelism is yeah. what I'm sitting here thinking of uh, of of this thing with prayer evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to people about. Don't talk about people. Well, really, the way to turn it is talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. And so it's conversation. Yeah, sure. That yeah. uh, how how do you pray? I'm gonna I want to press this. How do you pray evangelistically beyond what you've said? Or how well, have you, let me put yeah. it in the past tense, because I believe there are seasons to this where I'm hotter or colder. Yeah. Uh, pray for people specifically. Well, actually, the one thing you don't pray is, uh, God, if you want me to witness today, show <laughs> me somebody. Well, I'm sorry, that one that's settled in, in the Gospel of John. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? There's no need to ask God if he wants me to witness today. He does. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that one. So now that you want me to uh, help me to be sensitive, that's a key word, sensitive to opportunities because we run right past them. We're, we're so busy. You know, we get to going places and doing things and all of a sudden we've missed an opportunity. So I pray for sensitivity, pray for people by name. Um, Would you be okay with this? phrase or statement um we pray to god about people and when we do we are filled with the spirit we're given a spiritual sensitivity to talk to people about god oh i think so yeah that's what i hear you saying and i just yeah. want to say it for our listeners on the podcast because yeah. really what this is is being filled with the spirit in a way that is very uh empowering without being weird this doesn't have to be weird i don't th i think it's i don't think it has to be the full-blown altar call god moved i think there's just i hate to call it a smaller version of it and maybe a better way to say it a simpler version of the power of god in a person's life 
And I wish yeah, many it, Christians would recognize that. It's not so much being filled with the Spirit as it is being directed by the Spirit. Yeah, all right. So, I mean, we're supposed to be filled, and uh, most of us spring a leak. <laughs> yeah, we, we spring a leak. It'll be refilled, but it's not so much filling, uh, because filling leads us to talk about feeling, and it's not about feeling. It's about being directed. I like it. Yeah. Well, prayer evangelism. My my desire is uh, for more churches to get mobilized in prayer and for evangelism. And what I've what I've noticed. It sounds so judgy. I don't want it to be judgy. I'm not trying to be judgy, but I've noticed that the prayer meeting in church has gone away. And sometimes I wonder if pastors know how to mobilize people, congregations for prayer as a, as a way to shift the form of prayer it used to be the prayer meeting. Now the prayer meeting has gone away for other things. So how do we replace that in a local church? And the same thing with evangelism. Barely anyone's doing evangelism equipping anymore because people don't show up for it. Uh, my friend Dennis Nunn says that's why you should do it on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, do you know Dennis Nunn? No, I don't think so. Yeah, he's a great evangelism equipper. He came out of First Baptist Woodstock. Um, um, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, uh, in your show notes, it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Mm -hmm. Paul says, we implore you, praying you in Christ's stead, is what the King James says, yeah. on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Yeah, that's who we are. Um <laughs> I sometimes say if, if I'm teaching a group, who are we? Oh, that's easy. We're we're Christians. No, no, no. More specifically, who are we? Oh, we're Baptists. Okay, what kind of Baptist? Well, I'm a this kind or that kind. You know, and let's cut through all of that. You see, I was fortunate to be in a church that had an active royal ambassador program years ago before it became kind of a spiritualized Boy Scouts. Uh, and I don't mean to be critical of Royal Masters, but years ago yes. it, was, it was very biblical. And that was the verse. We are ambassadors for Christ. I pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. What does an ambassador do? He represents his king in another kingdom. That's what I'm doing. I don't belong here. I've got property somewhere else. And, and, Amen. And my, my mansion's not ready yet, so I'm still here. They're working on it. And I, I could go anytime. Whenever they're ready, that's when I'm gone. But right now, I'm in another kingdom. And my job is to reconcile, reestablish, relink people to God because they are alienated. So that's who we are. We're ambassadors. We represent our king in this earthly kingdom. That speaks of evangelism to me. 
No, amen. <laughs> uh, if you're listening and you're wondering, uh, maybe you're going, okay, could you give me uh, maybe an example? Um, it's simple. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And Jesus himself said, repent and believe. That's simply turning and making a mental decision and a heartfelt decision to turn from mm. yourself, ourselves, and our sins, and to turn to God in Christ and to place your faith, so repentance and faith, to place your faith in that act that he uh, accomplished for us on the cross. And if you're listening and maybe you're saying, man, this is great. I, I need to become a Christian. You, all you need to do is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And we don't mean that in a cheap way. We don't mean that in a in a way that is um, not going to change your life because it's going to change your life if you make that decision. But we, we encourage you to give your life to Christ. Um, so that would be the, we pray for the spirit of God to apply this gospel message as a witness to your life. Um, you had an experience in the New Mexico mountains. Do you remember <laughs> the, that story? The Mexico mountains. It was Mexico. Oh, it I'm sorry. Mexico. Yeah. What was that all about? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm from, I was just in New Mexico. So I got New Mexico on the brain. <laughs> Oh, I, <clears throat> I I spent a few early years out of when I finished seminary the first time as a student. Uh, I became a campus minister, and the first assignment was a place called Pan American University, which is now the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. And we had a joint retreat with the National University of Mexico in the mountains southwest of Mexico City. Well, orientation was the first thing on our agenda and the camp we was a YMCA camp and the managers came in, talked to us. They said, okay, after dark, you do not leave this camp. The, these mountains are, are dangerous. There are wild animals out there. It's going to freeze in the mountains, even though probably not freezing in camp. So there are a lot of reasons why you need to stay in the camp. So about uh, 11 o'clock or so p.m., I'm in my cabin. I'm getting ready to go to bed, knock, knock, knock on the door. They said, uh, we don't know where Jimmy is. Jimmy's disappeared. Oh, my goodness. So everybody get together in the cafeteria. We're going to talk about this. Where Anybody seen him? Well, I saw him. He was headed out of the gate. Oh, no. <clears throat> so Jimmy's gone outside of the camp. Yes. So what are, you talking about? what are we going to do? We had a guy in the group. One of the students, he'd come from California. He was a hippie. <laughs> this was in the late 60s, early 70s. The Jesus movement was on. The Jesus people had come out of California. This guy drove a van with psychedelic paint stuff on it. But he was a new Christian. He was so new, he didn't know all the terminology yet. He's in a group. And so this girl who was pretty spiritual said i think we just need to all get in a group and hold hands and pray and my hippie friend said and i, I won't use the word pray blank let's go get jimmy <laughs> 
And I have used that story so many times. Now we, we didn't. And he was okay. He survived. He showed up the next morning at breakfast. But it sometimes comes down to as important as prayer is and is the priority of prayer that you pray first. But sometimes you got to say, pray. No. Let's go get Jimmy. Man, yeah, that is so good. To blend together. There are times when even praying as you go, <laughs> you got to go get Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? Oh, he's next door. He's down the street. He's, he works with me. He's in class with me. I mean, Jimmy's all over the place. That's wonderful. That's yeah. great. Well, Dr. Crawford, thank you for coming on the Stoke It Up podcast. I appreciate that. Glad I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to get you on here and I'm kind of making the rounds and I thought, man, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, first of all, thank Dr. Crawford because all them, that class, I know I overplay it, but I can't help it. I'm sentimental about it. That class on revival evangelism <clears throat> practicum was so high impact for so many of us. As a matter of fact, I saw in your bio, it says up to 2,500 students came through that class sure. and, uh, that I, I pray that this year in 2024, that there will be more and more students that will go out, do these free revivals, and God might set uh, our nation, especially a blaze for Christ again. Uh, but thank you for all the work, not only that you've done, <laughs> but that you're still doing. We can't get you retired, man. What's going on with that? It's, it doesn't work. Retirement is overrated. <laughs> that is so funny. I keep going. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey you know. you're a great example to all of us, Doc. I know you're not looking for that, but you be encouraged for all of that. Uh, you guys that are the generals of the uh, of the kingdom in this season, you guys are a real blessing, man. You you encourage us greatly. You know, in the, in the office, I, I, they still let me have an office at the seminary, and in the hallway of Mathena Hall, they have the pictures of the retired professors. <laughs> And they're about, uh, because the Fish School of Evangelism and Missions is a new school yeah. within the seminary, there are only about eight pictures on that wall. And mine is one of them. But it's kind of depressing. I start down that hallway and I go, dead, dead, <laughs> dead, alive. <Yeah. laughs> and most of them have gone on to glory. They're up there yeah. at a coffee shop on a golden street somewhere still thinking I didn't make it. <laughs> I I walked down that hallway last semester when I audited prayer uh no not prayer evangelism I uh audited uh the course evangelistic preaching with OS Hawkins and Scott Mays yeah. and I looked at those pictures I saw yours up there and Fish and uh McDowell and other guys I think I, I took almost every one of those professors I think I I didn't get to take Dr. Sanchez but what I said stood there and thought man i got to come through here when some of these legendary guys were here now you guys are never going to call yourselves that but it 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 is a true blessing so there's a there's another way to look at that thing <laughs> well doc i'm gonna i'm gonna close the podcast out but uh, we appreciate you coming on and i'll see you soon well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast. Uh, we will see you next week. We are a part of the Calvary Global Network Media 
uh, platform. I would love for you to follow the CGN media and podcast handles on social media. Thank you for your support of the Stoke It Up podcast. Share this content wherever you can, and we look forward to seeing you next time. God bless. Have a great week.